1% Better is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Colts ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime is the new app that tracks prices in real time for thousands of trusted sellers. Then it shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. And even in the off-season, GameTime has all the MLB, NHL, and NBA tickets you need at the best prices on the market. But don't take my word for it. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download the GameTime app on the App Store or Google Play. Now, to download GameTime and score some awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it, get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hey, Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer. We're back. It is 1% better, and Zach is back, and he is uh, he's a changed man. He's an hour-time <laughs> father. <laughs> so you're not the same guy we, we left off with last week, so congratulations to Zach. Uh, how is the sleep coming with the newborn? You know, it's not terrible. Um, I want right. to give my wife credit for doing most of the work, but once you've done it before, we've got the almost two-year-old, it's it's kind of like, all right, we did it once, we'll do it again. It's mm-hmm. it's it, it, and that prepares you in a big way, I think. Yeah, so it's kind of like riding a bike. I mean, my kids are ten years apart, and it was literally still like riding a bike. So like, these are skills you never lose, apparently. So, uh, just if you're interested, there's a, some useless information for you. So anyway, you didn't come on here to hear about our uh, diaper changing skills. So you came to hear about the Indianapolis Colts and. They are winners again. They're now five and two after a fifteen to thirteen win over the Denver Broncos, and that was not the most entertaining football game I've ever seen, Zach. But uh, fifteen to thirteen, score. <laughs> I mean, let's just recap for people. Okay, we're sitting in the press box and we're like, it's like nails on the chalkboard, right? Um, for most of that game, uh, just how ugly was it? The Colts had three points at halftime, and they barely had three points. And the Colts are not the best offense in the league, but, you know, Denver's defense is good, and I thought they would have trouble moving the ball compared to what what they did with against Kansas City and Houston. But, I mean, for a minute there, I was like, they're not going to have any points in the first half. Um, Denver made them work for it, and I will give them credit. And also, Denver kind of threw up on themselves at the very end with those vanilla play calls. And we can get into that later. This is more of a Denver topic, but Joe Flacco absolutely ripped the way the Denver offense approached that game late in the fourth quarter. We can look at this two ways. One, the Colts played bad and found a way to win, which is what good teams have to do because you're not going to have your A game every Sunday. Two, it kind of exposed them in a couple areas where they weren't very good. Um, they didn't. They really didn't attack this defense in a lot. Of, in a, I mean, Denver's defense really contained them most of the day. And, and number two, are you totally convinced Adam Vinatieri is fine? Because he missed another extra point. He missed a 45-yarder in his own stadium. And everyone's going to remember the game winner. But this might this might rear its head later in the season. And I think it I think it very well could. Yeah, I think that is a topic worth us delving into here in a little bit. Uh, because I, I felt that might happen. I didn't know if they were out of the woods. And I think yesterday kind of brought it all back to the forefront. So we'll get into that in a second. But um, I, I think let's start with maybe offensively because 
that I think was the source of the Colts' biggest struggles yesterday. No one played yeah. well in this game, I don't feel like. But uh, I thought the defense was actually adequate, though, allowing 13 points. But uh, but certainly I don't know that anybody is going to put this on their resume tape. And I just felt like this wasn't an overall good performance. But I thought offensively in particular, this was probably the most disjointed we have yeah. seen the Colts all season. Even that Oakland Raiders game, they eventually got into some kind of a rhythm there and and made some plays. There were plays in that game. This game, it just felt like, oh my goodness, I, I, they just they don't have anything today, and I don't know if they can pull this off. But uh, thankfully, the the Broncos obliged. But my point is, I, I just think just how how weird was it to see uh, Frank Reich? I felt like you know, I think kind of got out coached at times, and he didn't really have answers for Vic Fangio at times. You know, yeah. Frank said last week, Vic Fangio, the, the Broncos coach, a longtime defensive coordinator in this league, and he said, Vic Fangio is one of the top defensive minds in the NFL. And I think he showed that yesterday. Did, what do you think of that? It, it was a very odd position to see Frank Reich in because he has so often forced the action on his opponent. Yeah, that's a good point. And you know what really stood out to me? I agree with you. I think Fangio got the better of right for the most part yesterday. What stood out to me was the line play. And I know it's sacrilegious to, to knock mm. the offensive line right now in Indianapolis, but they got they got beat yesterday. Quentin Nelson yep. got beat a couple times. These guys are not infallible. They lost at the point of attack, and Denver's front was really good. And I know they have Von Miller and, and, and Derek Wolf, but they got Jacoby Bissett. And Bissett was great at avoiding pressure. I mean, this is an underrated skill set this guy has. I was talking to Darius Leonard after the game, and he's like, He's really good at sliding in and out of the pocket and making real subtle movements. And we've talked about this on here before. That being said, the the offensive line was not at its best yesterday. Denver won that matchup up front. The other matchup that stood out to me was, was Chris Harris on T.Y. Hilton. And Hilton made a heck of a play late, and you got to give him credit. But Harris was really good, and, and he's he's one of the very best in the game at that position. And, and they couldn't win their downfield matchups. Um and, and we'll get into more of the, the lineup situation the Colts had, but, you know, without Deion Kane out there, they had Paris Campbell who wasn't targeted. T.Y. Hilton, Jack Doyle had a couple underneath. Eric Ebron had a couple. There was no downfield shots. They were such limited in what they could do offensively because of the way Denver was playing them. And and you're right. It was, it was like Frank Reich was calling a game trying to get out of this hole the whole day, and they never could. But – with the game on the line, the defense delivered a couple times in the fourth quarter. And Jacoby Brissett made probably the best play we'll see from a Colt this season. I mean, if anyone can top that, good luck. I'd love <laughs> to see it. But the play he made, almost being sacked in his own end zone by Von Miller, who had, I think, two hands on him, to roll to his right and throw a rifle 35 yards down the field to T.Y. Hilton, who... Cannot be understated how good he is at this. He got both feet in bounds, which is ridiculous with this play. Um, that's the play. That's the play elite quarterbacks make. Starting to think Jacoby Brissett is one of them, even though he had an up and down day. That's the play that wins games, and that's how you win this league. And they did that on a day they pretty much got beat up up front. Yeah, and just to continue with the the issues up front, the one thing that I – uh, that I took away from my time in the locker room and talking to guys like Ryan Kelly was <laughs> they openly admitted, yeah, they fooled us quite a few times on some of their tactics up front. So the Denver Broncos did use quite a lot of quite a few line stunts uh, to sort of throw off the, the blocking scheme 
of the Colts. And Ryan Kelly said, look, <laughs> they didn't show a lot of that stuff on tape. And he said they showed it a lot more than they anticipated. So that was a factor. And I think, you know, sometimes, you know, you prepare, well, you always prepare for what you think you're going to get. And when you get something else, that's when yeah. you've got to react on the fly. They didn't react very well. And I think if you go back to the play where you're talking about, the play in the end zone, the, the play of the game where Jacoby Brissett eludes uh, Von Miller, on that play, in fact, that is another line stunt, okay, where Von Miller is lined up outside, he twists to the inside and comes in completely unblocked. Now, that's a great move and a great call by the Broncos. However, Basically the Colts untouched. weren't equipped to handle it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and I think, you know, Ryan Kelly's there, but his back is turned. I mean, I'm not blaming anybody. I don't know. I don't know whose responsibility it is. I, I don't know what the blocking schemes are, what the responsibilities are. And that's where you have to be careful about assigning blame. So I don't do that. But the fact is you have to have a plan for every tactic that they throw at you. And as Ryan Kelly told me after the game, he says, we knew they were going to bring something. They weren't going to let us sit there and double team them. Uh, up front, they were going to do something to force the action because that was the ball game, and everybody knew it. Uh, so the question was, okay, what are they? What are they going to bring? And they weren't ready for it, and so there you have now Jacoby Brissett <laughs> with the game on the line in the end zone, about to basically get sacked uh, for a walk off safety in effect, and he makes the play of his career. Yeah. Literally, his career. Yeah. And you wrote about this today. I mean, what were the reactions of some of his teammates in the locker room? I heard a couple, but man, I mean, that was whew. <laughs> I mean, guys were basically looking at it the same way you, Joe Fan, were. <laughs> I mean, they're yeah. like, oh shit, we're gonna lose. And oh wait, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, great play. <laughs> you know, I mean it's like it's like, no, 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 yes. <laughs> it's one of those deals. It, and, it instantly it was made amazing. me think of what Andrew Luck would do from time to time in his career. And I was talking to Darius Leonard, and the funny thing was he brought up the same thing. He's like, you know what? 12 would have done that kind of play. And he brought up that play against the Dolphins last year where Luck was basically enveloped by the pressure, somehow snuck out of it, and then found Chester Rogers 40 yards down the field on a game-winning drive. I thought this play was more impressive than the Miami Dolphins play from last year. But the point is... Yeah. You've got a quarterback who could pull that off, and that gives hope to the entire offense, especially on a day when it was hard to get yards, let alone first downs. Um, you pull off a win like that, off a play like that, that that speaks to what Jacoby Brissett is capable of. Yeah, so I I will look at this uh, with a with a fair viewpoint. Look, I, Jacoby Brissett has played a lot better than he played yesterday. Okay, let's be clear. That was not yeah. a great game. Uh, that being said, I think – it was, it's offset to some extent by the ability to do what he did at the end there. Because really, at the end of the day, that's what we haven't seen from Jacoby Brissett. And I think a lot of people have... That's a good point. A, a lot of people were waiting to see that. Yes. A lot of people have appropriately pointed this that. out. Yeah. What happens if if there's two minutes left and the Colts are down and Jacoby Brissett's got to drive him down the field? Well, I don't know. We didn't know. He's never had to do it. <laughs> and now... You'd rather them not be in a situation where they've got, you know, what, 12 points with two minutes to go. But that being said, that's where they were. And and it was a, it was an open question. I, I didn't have a lot of optimism that they could move the ball. They hadn't done it all day. Why would I think they'd right. do it then? So here, with that as the backdrop, here comes Jacoby Brissett making, like I said, the play of his life. Uh, to to give his team some hope. And it might I mean, not that's just be... Moxie, man. That's the guy. That's Moxie. Yeah. I don't want to 
could say that you're wrong, but it might not be the play of his life. There is a play he made at NC State, and those of us who have seen that play on YouTube or whatever, <laughs> I mean, it's a jaw dropper. I mean, it's a ridiculous play. That one might be a little bit more impressive, but this one was the play of his NFL life for sure. I mean, that's and there's a lot of people that didn't think he could do that kind of play. I mean, Frank Reich said maybe a couple guys in the league can make that play. Maybe four or five. I mean, Russell Wilson can do that. Rodgers, Mahomes. I, am I missing someone? Uh, no, I don't know. I mean, it, it's a very short list. Let's put it that That's way. It's a, a very short very list. very short list. I think Frank uh, is right. It, it, the most impressive part wasn't that he avoided Von Miller, which was impressive in itself. The throw is on a rope. He's running towards the sideline, and he throws it on a rope 35 yards to an area that basically has to be right on the money before T.Y. gets out of bounds. I mean, that. The th- watch the throw and tell me that's yeah. not the best throw you've ever seen Jacoby Brissett make. Yeah, and I think this is a point that we should drill down on a little bit is just his ability to stay alive against pressure. I, I think this is now not a, an isolated thing. He has done this time yeah. and again now, yeah. and this is a big part of Jacoby Brissett's game. Keeps his like. eyes downfield. These are things he's worked on with Tom House. That's a, That's a good point. Yeah, and I think there's 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 a there's sort of a range of reactions of how he deals with the situations once he fights the pressure off, if that makes sense. Like then, what do you do, right? Then sometimes those decisions are better than others. We'll see. But but the one thing that we cannot say is that he he has a that he fails to keep plays alive. He does, and that is I tell you, look, not every quarterback can handle physically handle the pressure like that. I mean, he. Mm-hmm finds a way to shove guys off of him. And I mean, we talk about guys like Russell Wilson, who is just, you know, pretty much an MVP candidate right now and just a phenomenal player. But we talked about this yesterday. But even Russell Wilson, he doesn't, like, shed the tackler. He'll just run away from you. You know <laughs> okay, what? And What's keep up? the play alive. And he does that better than anybody. But I'm just saying. Darius Leonard said, he said, look, he's like a – or Malik Hooker. Malik Hooker, who's – a heck of an athlete himself was like, dude, that guy's like a running back back there. He's like a tight end yeah. back there talking about Jacoby. And I was like, you're kind of right. Jacoby is, he is big for a quarterback and he plays like it. You know what I mean? He plays like he's yeah. not intimidated by these huge defensive linemen that are coming to kill him. Um, and that's, that's an underrated skill set that he's got in, in his repertoire. That's an underrated skill that he's, that he's using because he will shed blockers with ease and that's, I mean, that's that's vital because on days like yesterday, the offensive line was was getting beat at times. I think he might be one of the hardest players on this team to tackle. <laughs> a little bit like Big Ben. A little bit like Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, a lot like that. Yeah, it's a little different than Andrew Luck. I think Andrew, uh, now he could do that too. Big, strong guy. Uh, yeah. As you obviously know, we saw him, we saw it for seven years. But uh, but they're different a little bit. I think that uh, you know Jacoby. Literally, will will stiff arm a guy and just like shove him off of him. It's like, dude, what are you, what are you doing? What are you? You're, you're a quarterback, yeah. um, but it's it's kind of fun to watch. So so look, I mean that that is every quarterback has has unique skills and they have their own sort of style and skill set and what have you. Look, and, and Jacoby is learning in some areas, growing in, in some areas, uh, and then there are others where he's. Really advanced, and I think this is one where he is really advanced. Both, I think, two things: his competitiveness and his his physical ability to to fight off pressure. Pressure, excuse me. So let me ask you this: transitioning here, mm-hmm. they lay an egg against the Raiders and play their worst game of the season and, and lose at home, and they're two and two. And 
pretty pretty bad loss. They follow that up with a win against the Chiefs. They beat the Texans. They beat the Broncos. And I'm looking at these three wins, and they're three very different wins, right? They mm-hmm. go to Arrowhead. The Chiefs are undefeated. They win on the ground, right? They just run it up their throats all night long. They come back home. They play Watson, and they out they outduel Watson, essentially. I mean, Jacoby Brissett plays quarterback better than Jason Watson does on this day. And they outgun him in a, in a high-scoring game. Then they come back and play pretty poorly against the Broncos, make too many mistakes, miss kicks early, and still find a way to win late. Three different wins in three very different ways has this team five and two. And I think that speaks to the Frank Reich sort of and Chris Ballard, the balance they have because you're going to have to win games in different ways um, because you're not always going to have your A game. And like Frank said earlier in this week, you know, earlier last week, it was like, Look, we're going to have to win games in the air. We're going to have to win games on the ground. And I've always thought this. You're going to have to win games when you don't play well. The Patriots do it all the time. They don't have their A game every week. They still find a way to win every week. This is the kind of game that's going to make a difference in January and late December between having a home playoff game, having a road playoff game, not having a playoff game at all. These are the kind of games you have to win. So no style points yesterday at all. They didn't play nearly as well as they did against the Chiefs or the Texans. But the one thing that matters is they got the win. They stayed in front in the AFC South, and they showed they could win by playing pretty crappy football for about 58 minutes. Here's something to consider. The the games where they played poorly last season, like this level of football, they lost them, like every yeah. single one of them. Yeah, they I can't think of a game like this that they yeah. won last year. And and so I, I'm talking about, for example, the game at New York against the Jets. That was just a – an absolute shit show at times. Okay, and then there was uh, certainly the game down in Jacksonville, six nothing. I mean, one of the worst football that, games I've ever witnessed. That was <laughs> and, similar to yesterday. There were obviously was. points yesterday, but it was it felt like they couldn't move the ball like they couldn't against the Jags that day. Right, and so you know, and yet here's the interesting thing. So the Colts put up 318 yards yesterday. Nah, you know, it's okay. Uh, and and again, it's not all about yards, but I, th- this is just—I'm getting to a point here. So, someone uh, from the organization texted me a very interesting fact last night and said, "You know, huh? You know how many p- yards the Patriots had today? They had 318 yards. It's very interesting." And so, <laughs> they had a runaway win against the uh, Cleveland Browns. And the point was, like, hey, man, you know, it was like perspective. It's like, hey, they're not a juggernaut offense right now either, but they're—they're they're the best team in the NFL. The point was, look, you know, in. In retrospect, they actually did generate some offense. This is a team, the Broncos now, a defense that in the past, in their previous three games, they'd allowed 240 yards on average, right? No one had exceeded 300 yards against this team since, I believe, week two. Yeah. So, I mean, look, I'm not saying put the Colts in the Super Bowl conversation. No, I mean, it's the Broncos. They're two and six. But, look, I think there's some context to be had here. Uh, this is a tough defense. I mean, Von Miller, by the way, the the reports of his demise are greatly exaggerated. Okay, Von that Miller player, came man. to play. <laughs> okay, greatly exaggerated. So, and the look, one I mean, thing this is, this is the kind of game was always going to be. And the one thing we haven't touched on yet, which is kind of an underrated storyline, the last couple of weeks, Colts defense has played pretty dang well. I mean, they really yeah. have. They yeah. made the plays they needed to to get off the field for the most part, and. Obviously, Darius Leonard being back is a huge, huge boost for them. But um, I've been impressed with this defense the last couple of weeks. They really, really have stiffened up. Um, that being said, 
Rough game for Rocky Sin yesterday. Five flags, three holds, two PIs. One of them was declined because he let the pass get completed anyway. Um, I wrote about him yesterday. He stood there and answered every question. He's a very measured guy. He doesn't sound like a rookie when you talk to him. He sounds like a third-year pro. Um, he said, you know, you get one of those holds early, and he felt like the refs kind of focus on in on him the rest of the game. And he said he's give, he was getting his hands up too high. Um, but it's just a, it's a weird situation. Quincy Wilson was a healthy scratch yesterday, which was a surprise. And it really hurt not having Pierre Desir out there. He's one of those guys you don't realize how good he is until he's not out there. Um but with that being said, as bad of a day as Yassin had, they still held the Broncos to 13 points. Now, the Broncos' offense is trash. Um, but I, I like what I'm seeing for the defense, and I think moving forward, I think in November and December, when they get all the pieces in, I think they're going to be a pretty solid defense. Yeah, I think the defense is fine. There's actually plenty of topics to cover there, and we will do that in a second. Before we go on, though, I do want to take a break here and let and tell you a little bit about DoorDash. So your sweatpants are on for the day, but you're sick of microwave leftover frozen pizza. Hmm. Yummy. Enter DoorDash. Restaurant quality food with a living room dress code. Ordering is easy. Order, Open the DoorDash app. Choose what you want to eat. And your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code 1. So don't worry about dinner. Let dinner come to you with DoorDash. Don't forget, that's promo code 1. It's spelled out O-N-E for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. So, now getting back to the defense, I, I really feel like a couple of things here. Uh, I think uh, you mentioned Rocky Asin, and I think the game that he had will sort of color this defensive performance a little bit. It will kind of cast a pall over it, but I, I think that's the wrong way to look at it. I I thought they did a great job defensively, to be honest with you. I mean, I, yeah. I, I mean, look, they held them to 279 yards total. Uh, they did what they were supposed to do against a bad offense, man. I, I don't really have a yeah. problem with the defense. I think there's one guy they need to go back to the drawing board on, and it's Rocky Asin. I think that was the absolute worst performance he'll probably ever have. Uh, so we got that out of the way now. And so what, what's he made of? And we'll find out. But, but I don't. I don't think that yesterday gave you any reason to feel any differently about this defense. Uh, the plays that the Broncos made, uh, they had a, what was it? Um, uh, they had a 33-yard completion to to Cortland Sutton, I believe. But other than that, uh, nothing over 20 yards. Nothing. I mean, that's that's what you want. I mean, the, the whole idea is prevent chunk plays. Uh, they didn't get any chunk plays. And so yeah. – I, I give them a lot of credit. Um, one of the, you know, one of the the pass interference calls on Rocky Sin. Look, it was a, a play where he's beat for a touchdown, so he did what he's supposed to do. He, he grabs the guy and prevents a touchdown. You know, small victory. They scored a, a couple plays later, but the point is, yeah, it is what it is. I, I do think he got, he definitely got the ref's attention, and once you have it. Uh, you're going to keep it sometimes, and they're going to pay close attention to you. So it is what it is. But I thought defensively they were. They were just fine, and I think they're going to be they're going to be pretty tough to beat uh, defensively. Uh, now they didn't face an elite quarterback yesterday, but but I think they're they're pretty stabilized right now defensively. I do uh, want to talk a little bit about what you just said. What's going on in the secondary? Um, a couple of things going on here now. So we saw after the game, 
Kari Willis went out. Okay, so he's on the sideline with a boot on. Right. Uh, so that's a concern. Now Pierre Desir, great. Yes. Great. Pierre Desir unable to play. So that is something to keep an eye on. Quincy Wilson, we think a healthy scratch. We don't know what's going on there, but but that was a situation where uh, that raised concerns about the trade deadline and is he available, which has been rumored. Uh, so uh, two things. Number one, uh, these injuries, uh, should should people be worried about them, number one? And then what can you what sense can you make of the Quincy Wilson situation? I don't I don't see him going anywhere. And we're gonna find out more today. If if not earlier, we'll talk to Frank Reich at four o'clock on a conference call and ask him why he wasn't active. Trade deadlines um, tomorrow, just for the record. Yeah. Trade deadlines tomorrow. I don't see Quincy going anywhere. I'm not saying Quincy is untradeable by any means, but he's a bit of a solid player for you the last couple of weeks, especially he's gotten better this season. And and you're not in a place where you can just throw corners to other teams. I mean, you need healthy bodies back there. And Quincy's better than most guys you're going to get off the street, if not every guy you're going to get off the street. Um, right. Rocky Sin play, Rocky Sin's play yesterday told you that. Um, and and I don't think Quincy goes anywhere for that particular reason. Kenny Moore's battled injuries of late, played yesterday. Pierre Desir has played through a hamstring for the last five or six weeks. You know, every fan out there knows how stubborn these hamstrings can be you know pierre told me after the game against the texans like look i'm no worse than i was to start the game my hamstring's fine then he doesn't play the next week that's how weird this injury can be you need healthy bodies and quincy wilson is better than marvell tell and he's definitely better than shaq taylor he's definitely better than most guys you're going to get on the market what are you going to trade quincy for a six a five i don't see why that pays off i think you need healthy bodies i think he stays I don't know why he wasn't healthy yesterday, um, but this is not the first time Quincy's had a weird, healthy scratch. You can go back to his rookie year. He had it a couple times. Didn't always see eye to eye with the defensive coordinator, Ted Monachino. But this is a new regime, and he's grown up a lot since then. Um, weird situation, especially the way they sort of just they just rolled with it yesterday, and they left Rock in single coverage the whole day. And it's like, you know, maybe help him a little bit. You know, it'd be nice to have 31 out there, too, a little bit. So, um you know, and, and Kari Willis going down is a big loss, a bigger loss than probably a lot of people think. Malik Hooker's back, but he's, he didn't seem to play all the snaps yesterday. I thought Clayton Gathers played really well yesterday, but it was really nice having 37 back there, sort of as an insurance policy, because he's played really, really well for a rookie. Yeah, and we will see what happens with uh, with Quincy Wilson. I would be stunned if he gets moved. I, I just I, I just don't think the return on a deal like that is going to be worth the cost, which would be not having a, a very solid backup uh, for an outside corner. I mean, because yesterday what they needed wasn't Shaquille Taylor or someone like that. There's a reason they didn't make a move and and replace Rocky Asin just to help help him get his head right. There's a reason for that. And I think the reason is they didn't have great options. Uh, some people ask me about Kenny Moore. Why not use him out there? Well, Kenny Moore, his value is in the slot. And besides, uh, he's 5'9". Cortland Sutton is huge. You know, that's a bad matchup. He's like 6'3", 6'4". Uh, that's not a good matchup. You need a long guy outside there uh, to really make a difference against him. So Kenny Moore is not a great option either. And then so without Pierre Desaire, uh, really you're only – option was was Rocky Asin. So I think having Quincy Wilson inactive yesterday took away any real option they, they would have had 
um, outside of maybe Marvell Tell, who that's you know the fifth round pick as a rookie. That's not really the guy uh, you want to get. Um, you want to get matched up there either. You don't want to throw him into that situation. So uh, I just think, uh, for all intents and purposes, there's it's going to be hard. I think to convince the Colts uh, that there's enough value to move Quincy Wilson. Uh, I think yeah. he has value. He's more value for them uh, than maybe that fifth or not even fifth. I'm thinking sixth round pick. I mean, what are you getting? The Colts for aren't I don't know. dying for draft picks. They've got, they've That's got the other a thing. ton of draft picks. They do. They do. They love them. And it's hard but, to find good but corners. Got, it's, it's a hard plenty. position to play, as Rakusin will tell you. I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. I mean, here's a guy on a rookie contract with a, an entire year left on that deal. So you got him cheap. For another year, um, I don't know. I, I just I would not be inclined to make that deal. So so we will see. Now let's let's get back to uh, Adam Vinatieri, okay? Because <laughs> we have to. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I really thought we were going to be in a situation yesterday where we we're going to be writing another story about Adam Vinatieri costing them a game. Was not this- a story any of us want to write. Should we detail the listeners and how you responded to his extra point miss? <laughs> well, first or of all, should we keep that to ourselves? Uh, first of all, I called it, <laughs> but I was kind of joking. I was kind of joking. It's like, it's like he's going to miss, isn't he? And then he misses. And I wasn't proud. Th- but hey, I said I wasn't proud of that. <laughs> it's I not. I made it very clear. It's been a long season. Oh, you know, a man. lot of times we're so busy after a touchdown kind of figuring out what happened on the touchdown to watch the extra point. But this year it's been totally different. you got to watch every single kick because you don't know what's going to happen. The 45-yarder was was not even close yesterday. He made a 55-yarder, which is too shy of his career record, which, as we all know, is quarter century long. And then he misses an extra point, and then he bangs in a 51-yarder to win the game. What a day for him, an up-and-down day. I don't think they're out of the woodshed yet. I just, I, I think he was dealing with a little bit of an injury early in the season, and that's what led to some of those misses. But, um, man, it's a good thing he made that kick because it would be a totally different narrative right now if he had missed a third kick yesterday. And and you know what would have really been interesting in that scenario is it would have really been, I think, a uh, a, a difficult scenario for Frank Reich as well because he – put all of his faith in Adam Vinatieri in that situation. Now, remember, so the situation was the Colts Good are point. at about, what, their uh, 40-ish yard line. And he decides, you know what, I'm not I'm not going to try to get any more yards. He, they run the ball up the middle a couple times, and it was pretty clear he's settling for the field goal. Now, there would have been a time where no one would have questioned that approach. No one. But here yeah. you are, given the track record time. he has. No, that we're not there. All right. Given what had happened earlier in the game, forget about like last week or the week before. All right. We're talking about what happened that very game earlier in the afternoon. Here you are putting the game in the hands of your 46 year old kicker who had already missed a 45 yarder and, a, and an extra point. And Frank Reich said, Nope, we're going to settle for this right here. I like it right here. Let's go ahead and go ahead and kick that 51 yarder at him. And he makes it. I mean, so <laughs> I don't know if Frank Reich is just, is just, uh, if that's if that's loyalty, trust, or if that's just insanity, I don't know. It depends on your perspective, <laughs> <Somewhere> right? <in laughs> <the middle. laughs> Maybe a little of both. I don't know, but it is very interesting. Uh, 
And I think fortunate for the Colts that it worked out because Frank Reich would have a lot of questions to answer. What did you make of his his explanation, which was what? That I he never flinched, he never and I'm talking about Frank Reich here and his approach yeah. to that. I mean, did you what'd you think? I mean, I was I give him credit, but but what'd you think? Hey, find a boss who backs you like Adam like Frank Reich backs out of military. <laughs> I yeah. mean, thick and thin. Here's what Frank said yesterday. Um you know, look, it's 100% his track record. It's 100% talking to him every day. I mean, it's I'm not. It's not just looking at the numbers or evaluating the times on the kicks or how far he missed here or there. You look a guy in the eye and you know this is the greatest kicker of all time. I see what he does every day in practice. Our team has so much belief and confidence in him. I was real happy for him today. Obviously, obviously, he's done this quite a few times. He's not the greatest kicker ever this season. That's just a fact. I mean, the dude's missed four extra points. He's missed three other kicks. That's seven misses in the first seven games if your name wasn't Adam Vinatieri you probably don't have a job that's the cold hard truth hmm. and I think this would have been a very very difficult position to be in if he misses yesterday not just for Frank Wright but also for Chris Ballard because how do you how do you handle this I mean they brought in six kickers after the Falcons game because Vinatieri was struggling so much I mean do you cut do you cut the greatest to ever play in his position um, and you sort of put all your eggs in this basket, and you said he's our guy. You can't keep a kicker if he keeps losing you games. Colts would be six and one right now. Think about that; they would be six and one if Benetieri hmm. makes a field goal, not even a field goal, an extra point in LA in Week One. An extra point; they're an extra point away from six and one. That'd be the crazy. number two seed in the conference right now. Um, yeah, good thing you made the kick yesterday. Uh, Frank Reich said, look, we just wanted to get inside the 55. We were good. That's he even said that was a money. It was money for Adam Vinatieri. There's no money distance for Adam Vinatieri, not this season. Um, but Hey, that that's why Frank Reich has the job he has. He sensed it. He believed it. He told Adam earlier in the game after he missed the extra point, like, look, shake it off. We're going to need you to win this game later. And he was right. Um, so Frank Reich deserves all the credit for sticking behind his guy. Cause it paid off yesterday. I just hope this doesn't come back to rear its head later in the season because it just doesn't feel like he's 100%, you know, as dependable as he used to be. And that's a, this is a team that's had seven games and seven one score games so far. Every single game has come down to a touchdown or less, which makes field goals and extra points that much more instrumental in their victories. And it just feels like this is going to come back. The storyline is going to come back at least once more down the line. Yeah, it does feel that way. And I have I've wondered, okay, when the kicking conversation would come back to the forefront. Okay. I thought that it might happen at some point. And and sure enough, uh here we were yesterday, uh, with the kicking back front and center. I, I just thought that what we saw early in the season, it just it wasn't an aberration. Uh there's an issue. Okay. There, yeah. there is an issue here. And as much as we love Adam Vinatieri, you know, we can't say that he is as reliable as he used to be. So that, unless it was an injury and he could get better and then be over with, that would be one thing. But that's that doesn't appear to be what we're dealing with here. This seems to be a guy who, who has lost something and is not the same kicker. So here's the thing. they've Like you just said, they have proven they're going to be a team that plays close games. I mean, they're not a they're yeah. not an explosive offense that's going to put 35 points on the board. That's that's not really who they are most weeks. So, they're going to play a lot of games like this, and I don't know I, I just wonder if 
we're heading down a road where at some point it's going to cost them. Okay, they're going on the road next week to Pittsburgh. I mean, do do we think that they're going to go out there? I don't care who the quarterback is and and win by three touchdowns. I don't expect that. So, you know, the the kicking is going to be uh, a huge factor in outcomes and. And they're just my point is they're in a bad spot because I don't think it's going to necessarily get better. It's it's going to remain an issue. So, what are your options? They're not great. There are no good options. I know. So you put all your eggs in the Edmonton basket, believing that he'll get this figured out. And to be honest, the last kick yesterday was a really good sign because that's a long kick. That's fifty-one yeah. yards. Game on the line. If he misses, who knows what happens. Um, but it was a great kick, to be honest. I mean, I, from what I could tell, he he drilled it. It was high. It was straight. Um, it wasn't even close to the crossbar or to the side goal post. Um, so give credit to Adam Vinatieri. 29 game winners in his career. Yesterday was not the biggest one, but believe me, he's going to remember that one because it's been a long season so far for him, and I think, uh, I think he'll continue to be a storyline. Yeah, I, I will say this, and – and I've been very skeptical about this situation and how it might turn out. But but I think if you're going to take a chance on somebody, because anything you find out there on the market is going to be a situation where it's imperfect, right? So I'm right. talking about kickers here. So I guess if you're going to take a chance on somebody, the rationale is, well, I'll take my chances with Adam Vinatieri. Uh, and inconsistent as he's been, I get that argument. I, I do get that argument because – it's it's the devil you know versus the devil you don't, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. he's having some issues, but uh, there aren't a lot of guys off the street right now that you would throw out there and say, uh, hey, game's on the line, 51 yards, go get them. I mean, how many guys that you can just sign off the street are you willing to put that kind of pressure on? Not a lot, you know? And we we saw what happened around the league just yesterday. Look at the Chicago Bears and what they're dealing with, right? So yeah. uh, I get it to some extent. I I there aren't any good options, and so if this is if this is one of them, maybe it's not the worst one, I guess. And and I, I understand it from that perspective. But man, it's a hard way to live. <laughs> no question yeah. about it. Hard yeah. way to live. Seven one score games to start. So let's let's just kind of touch on uh, what's happening around this division right now. Very interesting in the AFC South. Only division with all four teams uh, with. Non-losing records, right? Frankly, yeah. right now, I think what the Jaguars and Titans both at five hundred. Uh, yep. The Texans won again yesterday, beating the Oakland Raiders. So they're what uh, five and three, I believe. Colts five and two. Yeah, but they lost. They lost a big piece yesterday. They did. JJ they Watt's did. done for the season, and that hurts because he has been playing terrific. And he tore up the Colts. Everybody saw that a week ago. I think he was in the backfield. I think he had six quarterback hits, two sacks yeah, against Kobe Brissett. Um, Deshaun Watson is playing at an MVP level right now, but JJ Watt being out for the third, you know, it's the third season in four years, he'll end it on IR. If there's one team that helps, that's the Indianapolis Colts. Look, the, I, I don't want to disrespect JJ Watt, but, but I do think it's fair to say that his injuries are going to have a, are going to be a blemish on his career, uh, the way it's been going. Uh, he's missed a lot of games in recent years and his greatness is unquestioned. I mean, I don't want to face JJ Watt any day of the week, but man, he has missed a lot of time on the field the last three years. It's really been, it's going to end up being a little bit like Andrew Luck's last few years at this rate. You know, not quite, 
But yeah. but I mean, there was a lot of criticism of Andrew Luck not being durable his last few years, and it was true. I mean, it was what it was. Like he missed some time. Uh, this is not that different. Not that different. I mean, three out of four years ending up on IR. Uh, I mean, that's that brings questions. Uh, that brings about questions about your durability. And again, I'm not disrespecting JJ Watt. The guy is phenomenal, but uh, that's been huge for the Texans, man, because. I mean, they're paying this guy tons of money. Uh, their defense is built around him, and and he's not out there, man. That's a game changer. And I, I think that look, Bill O'Brien's had a lot to overcome. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> the last few years, uh, he has really had a lot to overcome, be it at the quarterback situation or or position or with what has happened with JJ Watt. But but I just think it's interesting. This this AFC South, you know, we thought it would be a competitive division, and it things started out kind of shaky. Right, the Titans didn't look like they had it together, and and maybe now they've found a quarterback in Ryan Tannehill. I don't know. Uh, certainly, the Jaguars and their quarterback situation wasn't ideal, uh, but they seem like they may have a quarterback, and and then you know what's going on in Houston and Indianapolis. So, uh, is it still a two team race? Do you think? I think so. I think it will be at the end. Um, I do think Jacksonville and Houston. Excuse me, Jacksonville and Tennessee are going to be really tough games for the Colts. I just think, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Tennessee one in, in September was really tough. Uh, they'll see Jacksonville in a couple of weeks at home. Um, but I think not necessarily throw the records out, but I still think those are tough games, whether it's Minshew at quarterback or Tannehill or Mariota or whoever. Um, the Colts find a way to make every game close, whether they're playing the Raiders or they're playing the Chiefs. I mean, every single game comes down to the fourth quarter. They need to stop or they need a touchdown or something. Um, but the Colts' next three, uh, this is this is where they can make up some ground because they've got they've got Pittsburgh on the road. Pittsburgh's coming off a short week. They played a night against the Dolphins, basically a free win. Then they've got the Colts at home. Then the Colts host the, the Miami. So that's right. I mean, that's uh, can't lose uh, that yeah. game. I mean, we, like we would have team. it would be a very interesting podcast the next day if they lose. <laughs> yes, sure. Uh, and then they got the Jaguars at home, so you got to think they go two and one, maybe three and zero. Oh. Cannot go, cannot go one and two in that stretch, um, and that's only going to help you for this stretch run. Then you go to Houston for a big Thursday nighter, that will maybe determine the team that's basically the team to beat in the AFC South for the month of December. But we'll see. But um, this is that key stretch for the Colts can really, really put some ground on their competitors, but everyone in the AFC South is refusing to fall apart, which is a credit to their teams and their coaches. Um, I think every AFC South game from here on out, with maybe the exception of the very last game in Jacksonville, is going to be a dogfight. I just, I just, that's the feeling I get. These are pretty well-coached teams, pretty, pretty tough defenses. I just think the Colts are going to have, they're going to have to pull a lot more of these games out that are going to be really close against these division rivals. Yeah, I, I really think that uh, it's going to get interesting for Houston, though, because so let's look at their schedule coming up here. They're going. I think this is in London next week, I believe. Uh, it they is. have they have Jacksonville uh, across the pond. Then they go. They got bye week. Then they go to Baltimore. Interesting. I'm really interested to see that game. Then they've got a a short Baltimore's week. good. Yes, they are legitimate. Then they've got a turnaround short week against the Colts. And then, then they host New England. So I tell you, I mean, Houston's got their work cut out for them here. Uh, that's not going to be an easy game over there in London. Okay, Jacksonville makes you earn every yard, 
and they're going to be very physical with them. So we'll see how that turns out. And and as I said, Baltimore and New England and obviously the Colts game. So, I mean, that's a three-game stretch right there for Houston. Baltimore, Indianapolis, New England. That is I, I like the, their season. I like season. the Colts three-game stretch. Can I be honest? Yeah. I mean, I like I like Pittsburgh, on. Miami, and Jacksonville better. Yeah. Now, the, the Texans do catch a little bit of a break on the back end. They got Denver. Uh, and they've got Tampa Bay, but they've got Tennessee twice in three games to end the season as well. So uh, I yeah. don't think this is going to be a cakewalk for for Houston. Not that it is for the Colts, but but certainly they're in a position right now to make some hay. So we'll see. Uh, that Listen, Houston's playing that first-place schedule too. So yeah. <laughs> we talked yeah. about the Colts uh, maybe uh, you know losing the, the division by – by having that aggressive call in the first game against Houston last season, and we've you know we've talked about that you know at infinitum, but it's interesting. The Colts finished second in the division, so therefore they don't have that first place schedule. So guess what? They're not playing New England, and they're not playing Baltimore because otherwise yeah. they would be. Very yeah. interesting how yeah. how that one five come, turned out coming back to help them out a little bit. <laughs> it's very interesting. You know, fate's a funny thing. So anyway, uh, it's going to be an interesting week. Uh, we'll see as the Colts get geared up for uh, Tennessee, or excuse me, for Pittsburgh, excuse me, uh, how their injury situation is, and we'll find out where they're at uh, just uh, in terms of the trade deadline as well, which comes up on Tuesday afternoon. So stay tuned to The Athletic for that. Uh, Zach and I have got some stories on tap as well. So thanks for listening. If you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, by the way, uh, now's as good a time as any. Uh, lots of discount deals out there that you can access uh, for as much as 40 or 50% off. Uh, lots of deals always available. So uh, we don't want you to miss out on our all our coverage. If you like this podcast, well, you're going to get a lot more coverage on the athletic of the Colts and every NFL team, as well as every other major sport where we have uh, individual reporters assigned to those teams. So uh, we thank you for listening. I'm, Zach, I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer, and we'll be back later in the week with the subscriber-only podcast. Uh, for those of you who are subscribers to The Athletic. So uh, we look forward to talking to you then. Again, thanks for listening. This is 1% Better.